Um, yeah, okay, another thing that happened this morning to me, my dear wife, she said, I really want you to listen to this song. And it's a song, it's called Wonderful Merciful Savior by the group Sila. And I talked to Tobias, and he said, yeah, we've done that before here. But man, I tell you what, if you want a blessing, uh, listen to that song and lift your heart and praise to the Lord Jesus. So, not long ago, quick trip, they changed their dynamics, their footprint. They made them bigger. And one day, when they built a new one near our house in Olathe, I took a couple of our grandkids, um, Macy and Jackson. She was 10 and he was 7. And uh, so it was about 10 years ago. And uh, went in there and it was amazing. I mean, they have eight different kinds of taquitos. They have hot dogs, brats, and they have a little bin underneath where they steam the buns, and then they have a relish bar with onions and you name it to put on your hot dog. And uh, Macy said, you know what? You could live in here. And I said, yeah, you, you probably could. And Jackson said, it wouldn't be healthy, but you could live here. But you know, there's a lot said about health today. I mean, we've been through COVID. Uh, we get flu shots all kinds of diets you you could there there's just a ton of them i i read about a guy that lost 50 pounds jumping rope now i think you do burn a lot of calories jumping rope but <clears throat> that's not my gig i'm not doing that um also i heard that hand sanitizer some hand sanitizers have a product inside of it that will make you gain weight so be careful about that too but you know there's so much said about health today and it's good we need we need physical health, but you know what? <clears throat> we need spiritual health too. It's vital to our, our development in our lives, in our churches, and in our families. And so today I'd like to talk about the spiritual health of families, <clears throat> children, parents, grandparents. And I'd just like to mention a few things. And what are the, what are three marks of a healthy family? Three marks of a healthy family. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have to do that cough drop in a minute. So the first thing is the Lord, He's the builder. He's on center stage in a healthy spiritually family. He's the controller. He's the center. Secondly, a healthy family is a happy family. And then thirdly, a healthy family is a devoted family. So let's, let's think about the first one. Let's read this psalm together. Psalm 127, just a few verses. <clears throat> says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes, but in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. All right, so... <clears throat> First thing it says, the Lord, He's He's got to be on center stage. You know, I I do some substitute teaching uh, since September or August or something, but I mainly have taught in grade school. Well, I taught uh, I taught at Olathe West the other day, the, the high school. Man, I was up like at four thirty. I was worried. I didn't know what I was how that was going to go because there's a big difference between a first grader and a junior in high school. But uh, I taught fashion apparel and interior design. <laughs> so basically, you're just kind of 
you're watching over the class. They knew they had their projects going. They knew what they were doing. And she had some uh, plans there. But basically, I just went around and encouraged them what they were doing, asked questions about their project. But you know what? <clears throat> At Olathe, Olathe West, I think Carl's company actually designed and built that building. It's about five or six years old. Man, that, that thing is high tech. It is everything you can imagine. And so I was supposed to go up and monitor this one hall, and I got so lost in that school, I had, I had to ask questions how to get back to my class. But you know what? Carl's group, they were the builders. But you won't see Carl out there pushing a wheelbarrow when they went to build that thing. There was the builders, and then there was the laborers. And this is, uh, we need both. Both are most important. God's the designer. He's the original architect of the family. He knows what the plans are. But he uses select workers to actually build it, and that's the parents. And so it's not all about, you know, how how good we are, how skilled we are in laboring as a parent in, in the family, in the home. <clears throat> that's a lot of it is about a devotion and obedience to the plans following the process, following the plans that have been laid out there for it. So it's not our own, it's not our own skill. It says, unless the Lord builds, so he's the project manager in the family. And then unless the Lord keeps the city, he's also the protector, the protector. So we have to have divine direction. We must know where we're going. We got to know where we're going with our family. You know, if you, you go to the new airport and you go up to the airline ticket counter and you say, I'd like to buy a ticket. And they say, well, where would you like to go? And you say, oh, anywhere. That doesn't matter. You know, they'll, they'll have security down there so fast that you'll be in a straitjacket. But you know what? Um, some of us may be building our marriage and our families like that without uh, with a lack of goals and objectives in mind of where we're going. Some families... Like sand dunes, they're shaped not by spiritual purposes and directions, but rather by outside influence. And so it says we need to be careful how we build. Howard Hendricks, which he wrote a book called uh, Heaven Help the Home, which I have used. It's, it's a wonderful book. If you can get your hands on a copy of it, I think you'll have to use, uh, I don't know, I, I, I haven't found it very in very many places, but... I think you could get it online probably. But you know what? He he tells about one time he went to speak at a conference, and when he got to the pulpit, there was a sign that said, what in the world are you trying to do to these people? And, you know, he he didn't say anything about it. He kind of scratched his head and took note of it. But he went to one of the pastors uh, afterward, and, he's, and the pastor said, I I preached for 17 years and realized that no goals and no object, no object no objectives in my preaching. So that's why I put that sign up there to, to remind himself. Sometimes we, we lose sight of our goals and what happens is we trade off for activity. <clears throat> you look on uh, the board up here, I am so thankful for all the things that are happening here among the Christians and the outreaches and the edification that's taking place. It's wonderful. And, uh, but you know, in our families, we, if we lose sight of our goals, we, we sometimes can be so caught up in our activities that, uh, we're not sure where we're going. And, uh, I heard about this pilot. He, he comes over the intercom and he says, I'm afraid we're lost, but cheer up. We're making good time. And we, we don't want to be like that. We want to be able to, uh, know where we're going and have the objectives and, 
We can't really solve problems and issues in our homes unless we can see the problems too. Proverbs says, know well the condition of your flocks and look well to your herds. Another, another Galatians 6 says, let each examine his own work. <clears throat> so <clears throat> there is, there is something to that that we really evaluate from time to time. I heard about a sign that once said, uh, in 10 years, what will you wish you would have done today? And you should do, we should do that now. It's good advice to us. In 10 years, what would, what do we want our families, our children, their lives to look like? Clear goals and clear, clear objectives. You know, someone's that, that's an archer that's shooting at a target. Um, they'll do a lot better if they can really see the target. And, uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so we as well, we need to pay heed to those things and think about, um, how we're going about directing and living our lives in our families. You know, people don't plan to have a, a, a mediocre marriage or a family, but if we just drift along, that may be a distinctive uh, part of how we're recognized. Um, people, mediocre marriages and fractured families, the result of good intentions but poor implementation. So unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And the second thing, a healthy family is a happy family. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. You know, Chris and I, um, we got saved and we were saved. She was saved before I was. She was saved as a teenager. and I was a little bit older. But um, in fact, we're six years apart. And when I started dating her and liking her, her mother said, well, you know, I have, I have some other daughters that are a little bit more your age. She said, she actually said that. And I said, well, no, she's, she's the one that I, I'm interested in. She's the one that I want. But you know, <clears throat> we didn't grow up in Christian homes. Chris and I, we, we didn't. And so when we started a family, we got married and started a family, we didn't know what in the world to do, kind of. We weren't sure how, how that was supposed to go. But you know what? We had this. We had the Word of God. As believers in Christ, we had the Spirit of God, or we have the Spirit of God. And we also had people in our local church that um, they were strong families. They We watched them. We watched what they did when we were together. If we were in their homes, we watched how they, they did things there too. But one thing that's really important, a healthy family is a happy family. Let's just, let's just read a few verses in Colossians, starting in verse 12. Now, Colossians and Ephesians both, the first several chapters of the books are doctrinal. They teach about redemption reconciliation, salvation, uh, the deity of Christ, all these things that are so important that we have to know. But he shifts gears and then goes to the practical areas of our life. And Colossians chapter 3 is really down that line. How do we live our lives in light of what he has done for us and who he is? How do we live our lives? Especially these things that we're going to read here together, they pertain to our personal life. They pertain to our corporate life together um, as an assembly, as a church, but they also apply uh, to the life of our family. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, 
If any man has a quarrel against any, even so as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you're called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Lest they be discouraged. So Ephesians has a uh, a passage just like this. It's, I think it's chapter 6, uh, verse 1 through 4 or 5. But here's the thoughts. Tender mercies, being being kind, is, is my home, um, is my family. Is there kindness that rules there? Is there patience and understanding, forbearance? Forbearing, that, that's a tough one. Sometimes we get frustrated with one another and uh, maybe get frustrated in our family. Listen, it's a hard job. I'll tell you right now, it's a hard job raising children. It's not easy. And yet, the Lord has given us His Word and He's given us the Spirit of God. If we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, guess what? He's bringing forth these things that will govern our families and govern our lives. They are love, forgiveness, peace, forbearing, unity. We might say, wow, where is this place? Right? Because sometimes it's not like that, is it? We can be so harsh. We can be unforgiving. We can be um, almost just the opposite of all these things. We can We can be that. We can be unthankful. Wouldn't it be like, wouldn't it be great to, to be there? It's where the Christians live. It's where the Lord governs through His Holy Spirit and the, the Christian family or the, the family that is healthy. These are things that are present there. Is your family, is your home a fun place to be? Um, I'm not talking about, you know, are you, are your kids, are they happy in your home? I'm not talking about the new curtains. I'm not talking about all the niceties we may have. Are your children, do they see Christ activated in our families? And is he working? And do they recognize that? Um, some of the things when we were raising our kids, uh, Chris, Chris read to them a lot. And I think that's really important. I, I know a family in Wichita, they read to their kids. They were clearer up in college and they were still reading to their family like that. And maybe that's a little extreme, but uh, I even brought some books. Some of the books we used to use. Um, now these are for little ones, but you know sometimes when they're little, that's the time to that's the time to get with it. Uh, here's one. The, the kids really like this one: "The Beggar's Greatest Wish." And I know you can get these online. You can get them uh, at Mardell's or different places. Just some ideas: Jonah and the Big Fish. There's lots of pictures in there to get their attention. This one they really liked. They tore the cover off of it. Uh, he remembered to say thank you. This one is really good for very young children. It's called Bible Bees. So it's the ABCs all the way through. 
uh, and each one of them has a Bible verse. For example, um, a it's gone. They they tore it out. Uh, B. <laughs> Be warned. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So get the idea. You go through there and and they can memorize those verses. It is from Bible Memory Association. And then another one is good to have and some kind of Bible story book. So they are the Bible stories, but they're told in a story. Yeah, I think the dog did that. But these are just some ideas that Reading to your kids can be so valuable, and uh, they will appreciate it. And it is a great opportunity to really touch on, not preach at them, but to share a story with them, share, uh, share the Scripture with them in a way they can relate to, and it's very, very helpful. Um, <clears throat> Chris used to read other books, too. She, she read uh, Helen Keller uh, biography to the kids, and so one of the things she did at dinner time, she would blindfold the kids when we had dinner. And so that they could get a feel for what it's like to, to eat without being able to see your food. Now when I cooked, they asked for the blindfolds. They, <laughs> they wanted the blindfolds. Um, so they didn't have to look at it. But you know, she went through Little House on the Prairie books and a lot of the things that were in there, uh, she actually did in the kitchen. Like she made red eye gravy, which is, Leftover coffee with ham drippings. And, oh, yeah, it was really good. Put it on a lot of stuff. Uh, fried apples and onions. Like that, too. But little things like that that you can incorporate uh, in. It can be a lot of fun. There is a book that she used a lot, and I enjoyed reading it, too. It's called Let's Make a Memory. It's by Shirley Dobson and Gloria Gaither. It's back from the early 80s, but it is a wonderful way to Learn how to have fun in your home, to build traditions. And not that traditions are so important, but ideas on, on what you can do uh, to have fun in your family. Healthy family is a happy family. We went fishing. We waded in the creek together. Uh, we caught frogs. We dug worms. We took, for, we took drives out in the country. We kind of lived on the edge of a, a little town. And uh, it was just fun to all jump in the car. And and go out in the country and just have fun, have a picnic. One time we, one thing we like to do is when the farmers, the ranchers would build, uh, burn their fields. What time of year would that be? I can't remember. Now, so they'd burn their fields, and uh, I, I always stop and talk to people. Okay, so uh, I'm kind of weird in that way. But we were driving around this this field was burning. This young young girl, she was maybe twelve. 13. She had this stick with fire and she was lighting it and she finally came to stop and we, I rolled my window and I said, why are you doing that? She said, because daddy said to. <laughs> but you know, there's lessons in so many different things like that, that, uh, are a lot of fun. We had a deal where the first, first day that we saw Robin, we would have a picnic that day. No matter what day it was, what the temperature was, didn't matter. Uh, it was something we did and it was fun. We played music together. We watched kids' movies. We read books. One time I came home from work and the TV was sitting out on the curb. We had a, uh, you know, it was way back time, but um, I said, what happened? What happened? And Chris just explained to me 
what took place that day. And so we didn't have a TV for seven years. And it was a fruitful time. It was a time we really lived. We did life together so closely. And uh, it was really good. We went for walks, so forth. Um, so another thing we did was some other Christians in uh, in the fellowship, they had children about uh, the age of our children. And we'd go to their house and do things. Doesn't have to be complicated. We, we would, uh, they'd get their ceiling fan going in the living room and all the kids were around there. They had four, we had three, and we'd throw socks up on the, and, and they would fly, fly across the room and kids would see which one could catch it and all that stuff. You, you can do so many things. Um, so is your home fun? Do your kids recognize that a healthy home is a home of fun? You know, some homes, <clears throat> ours was like this sometimes. This is like a smog of legality and pharisaical ways, legalism. It could be like that, where there's no love and there's just all these strict rules. And uh, that cannot be fun sometimes. Not saying that we don't direct them and steer them, but we also have to be careful to um, not be controllers and not be autocrat autocratic in the way we deal with our kids. Okay, where are we? All right, thinking about these verses here, and, and I want to I want to point out this one on verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Discouragement is a tough thing. And this is directed to the fathers. And I can remember times, especially as the kids got older, when they were middle school, high school, I'll tell you what, it, it was a challenge. And uh, I didn't agree with a lot of things um, that they were thinking, and I wasn't I wasn't progressing with the family very good. And uh, I'm going to share something with you in a minute. But fathers, they get a double whammy here. Provoke not your children. Don't don't exasperate them. You know, discouragement's a powerful weapon of who? The enemy, the enemy of God, Satan. And fathers, if you're discouraging your children by by wrangling with them and by quarreling with them all the time, you're disabling them from being able to face life's challenges. You're disabling them. We are disabling them from making good spiritual decisions, from being courageous. We're actually, if we discourage our children, we're taking away the spiritual weapon that they need. And that that's something we need to avoid. Our young people, they need bolstering. They need support. They need unconditional love, no matter what. That was hard for me. I was not, and maybe I'm still not very good at that. Unconditional love. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Don't make them mad. Don't make them mad. There's a verse in Proverbs that says this. Proverbs 30, verse 37. Surely the churning of milk brings forth butter. And the ringing of the nose brings forth blood. So forcing of wrath brings forth strife. If it's more important to you as a father to press your point home and uh, be angry all the time. I can remember when the kids, watch out, dad's home. He just came home. You know, that that's not a good, that's not a good thing. And uh, you push your kids into a corner and, and wrangle with them and quarrel with them. You're going to get a fight. And so that's something we need to avoid at all costs is 
not being that kind of father. Uh, be a listener. Be a listener. You might say, <clears throat> um, oh, so here's another thought. If you, if you don't really are not in, involved with your kids' lives and the relationship is not there, you better be careful when you go to correct them because resentment can come so easily. That's why it's so important from the, from the time they're little ones, you're building a relationship with them. You're building a relationship so that when it comes time that you do need to maybe offer some correction, then you have the respect and you can do it. But if you don't, uh, that can be a long, long road. Do you listen to your kids? Do I listen to my kids? When's the last time you flopped down on their bed and said, hey, what's up? What happened today? Tell me about, tell me about what's going on. You know what? If you, if you don't have that relationship with them and you offer that correction, um, you may not, you may not turn out good for you. You can't guarantee the results. Um, I would like to share a couple of things with you. And this is a letter that Chris wrote to me. And this was a time when I think Carrie and Kelly were in high school. Kyle was in middle school. We called it junior high back then. But one of them was spending a lot of time with a person I wasn't real crazy about, the friendship that they had. And uh, Chris and I, we struggled together. And she was trying to help me uh, realize some of these things that it takes faith to deal with with these children and you you need to be cautious about um just crossing them all the time i was working third shift i was working two jobs and i wasn't getting a lot of sleep that is not an excuse i'm just saying we were we were not on the same page a lot here's some of the things this is a this is a pretty detailed letter front and back okay do you know when i when she gave this to me and she did it in love Oh, wow. It, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Here's some of the things she, she said. And she said, you cannot regulate, dictate, force convictions. You can only live them as an example, extol their virtues, evidence their rewards. You must eventually leave the choosing up to your children. And that point does not come the day they move out of the house. They must be ready before they leave says, it takes a lot of faith to let them make their own way. They will make mistakes no matter what we do or say. And this is where that idea of unconditional love, this is when this is so valuable and so critical that, um, you know, we have to, we have to love them no matter what happens. Remember the, the scripture, I think it's Psalm 103 says that, um, the Lord knows our frame. He knows we're dust. He understands that we're gonna, we're gonna fall away. Sometimes we're not going to do what he says. We're going to go the wrong direction. And yet he loves us and he has mercy upon us. And uh, I'm not saying we deliberately choose, but we fail sometimes, don't we? We fail. And we need that. And so your kids, I'm telling you, they're going to fail. They're going to let you down. And uh, don't give up. Just keep pressing on. Keep moving forward. She said this, it takes a lot of faith to let them find their own way. They will make mistakes no matter what we do or say, whether they have the pliability, the teachable spirit to learn from them or not depends on how we've raised them and dealt with them. A tree that is constantly buffeted by wind from one direction will grow away from it and become rigid 
But a tree that grows in a changing wind will grow straight and be flexible, resilient, able to withstand a storm from any direction. I like that thought. That's a good thought. She says, little by little, they take the responsibility of discerning between right and wrong upon themselves. Discerning between right and wrong upon themselves. We try to help them by being open and honest, living an example, teaching from God's Word, learning from other people's mistakes, etc. A baby bird grows up in the nurture and protection of its shell. There came, there comes a point, though, when the bird is too large for the shell and breaks its way out of it. If the shell is too thick to break, the bird dies. The very thing that was meant for its protection becomes its executioner. And then I, I just want to, I want to share with you how she ended because she was, she was spot on what was going on in our home. I was out of touch, especially with those teenagers. But she said, well, my mind is about mush and yours probably is too. I just want to put these thoughts on paper since I don't know when we'll be able to talk next. I'm sorry for lashing out, saying hurtful things, ridiculing you, not respecting or accepting you. You see, I'm guilty of the very things I accuse you of. Please forgive me. I forgive you. I'm committed to you. The Lord brought our lives together. I chose you to have and raise children with, spend my life with. We had a goal of working for the Lord together. We felt we were stronger together than apart. Let's not let the enemy divide us. Christ has won the victory. I love you, Kevin. So, I'm not saying you will ever get a letter like that, or you may not need a letter. I needed something, right? I, I did. But you know what? <clears throat> Relationship is everything when it comes to having a happy family, a family that will go on for the Lord. You know, we really need to have quality time. Um, it's not like, uh, okay, um, Jimmy, let's go, let's go play ball. I don't have time. I'm, I don't have a lot of time, but I'm supposed to play with you. Come on, go get the ball. Uh, what you're really telling Jimmy is there are a hundred places he'd rather be than playing ball with him. It could be something like this. Jimmy, buddy, I only have ten minutes, but I really want to play ball with you. Nothing I'd rather do. What would you like to do? That was fun. Let's do it again. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. They'll be discouraged. We want to avoid that. And then last thing is a healthy family is a devote, devoted family. I remember seeing at the worship meeting one time a little boy, his, he had brother on either side and they passed the cup. And of course he, he was not old enough. He was pretty little uh, to, to partake. But guess what he did? When it came by, he acted like he was taking it and he acted like it put it back. What was he doing? He was preparing. He was, he was preparing um, and practicing for that time when he could. I remember one time at our house out in Douglas, and I think Kelly, Kyle wasn't born yet, but Kelly and Carrie were like three or four. And I was out in the living room, and they were in the restroom, in the bathroom, and I heard the splashing. I, I heard water going everywhere. And I went in there and said, what are you guys doing? We're having a baptism. And, you know, they... In the name of the Father, Holy uh, Son, Holy Spirit, and they were dunking each other, and they were, do you know, they they were preparing, they were practicing. They are kids, but they also were thinking about uh, what it was like to be devoted to the Word of God. Turn to Deuteronomy six, real quick. This will be quick. Deuteronomy chapter six, and I believe it's verse five. 
Verse 5 of Deuteronomy 6. This is a little passage that tells about devotion. And it's convicting when I read it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. And you say, ah, oh, that's impossible. Well, we, we struggle, don't we? We're, we're in the flesh. But listen, we got to remember that if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and He has equipped you in every way to accomplish these things that He wants. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you're sitting in their house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So it's like, it's a way of life. It is not, okay, we're going to have devotions now, and listen, devotions are good. I really believe that. They're so helpful. They're very meaningful. They can be meaningful times, but... um we need to just live life together. We're walking down the road with, and we see something. We can talk to them about it and maybe make a connection with spiritual things. So it's a way of life, living life together. Um, so he says, there's going to come a time, he says, when, when your son asks you, it doesn't mean he's asking right now. There's going to come a point when he wants to know, what does this mean, this bread and cup? What does it mean to get baptized? Or all these things. And so, uh, opportunities. Opportunities. Second Timothy 3.14, you don't need to turn there. But you continue in the things which you have learned and, and been convinced of, knowing who you learned them from. That from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yeah, when they're young. So a spiritual healthy family. The Lord's the builder and we're the workers. Um, good to have spiritual goals and objectives. I know some of you, uh, you really do make a plan every year. You get together, just you and your wife and, and do that, uh, with, about your family. So that's good. That's good. Healthy and happy family. Kind, forgiving, forbearing. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. If we do, we will disable them from accomplishing what God wants them to do. And healthy devotion to the Word of God, to God's people. Unconditional love, that's a key. Admitting when you're wrong, and this is tough to swallow if you're a parent and you've wronged your kids some way. Um, maybe you have disciplined them incorrectly. Uh, I remember one time I we were driving in a car and Carrie had one of her friends back there and they were just going at you, just having a lot of fun and and I was getting a little bothered by it. And I finally, I said, you guys need to be quiet back. I just reached back and whacked one of them. And it happened to be their friend. I didn't get either one of my kids. So, you know, and, but I pulled Rachel aside. I said, Rachel, I am so sorry I did that. That was wrong. Need to admit when you're wrong. And like I said, when they're teenagers, it can be, it can be like this. And unless we humble ourselves and display this kindness and love, uh, they, they may have a hard time swallowing your correction, the things that you want to tell them. Open communication. Cultivate a culture 
of talking to each other. Talking to each other. And uh, again, guys, we're not real great at this sometimes. We have to we have to work on that. We need to help create a culture um, of communication. I, I one of our kids. Oh, I better not go down that road. Okay. So, last thing is, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Uh, it is a hard job. Chris and I were talking about this last night. I mean, it is. It can be brutal. It can be where you say, I don't know what the next step is. I'm not sure where to go with this. And uh, but don't give up. She she has a. She has some friends. I think some of them are even here. That said, "How do you eat an elephant, one bite at a time?" You know, you don't. You cannot think about doing the whole thing at one time. You have to do it a little bit at a time. Let the Lord build. The Lord wants to build in our families, in our homes, and we need to be yielded to Him and devoted to Him. So, all right, Father, we just thank you for your Word. We pray that. Um, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to my heart, Lord. Uh, help us all to be edified and built up. No way do I want to discourage anyone here, Lord, or say we're not doing a good job. I'm so happy to see so many kids, so many visitors, so many new faces. And Lord, especially uh, the opportunities through Sunday school and pathways and um, different Bible clubs that even if we don't have our own children right now, that we can be involved in raising children for your glory. So, Lord, we just commit this time to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.